Welcome to the Limitless Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Roseland. This podcast will teach you to acquire superhuman mental abilities and hack your reality. This episode covers some powerful tools to accelerate your language learning, how to be charming in a language you barely know, and I finish up by sharing two awesomely embarrassing moments of culture shock. I'd like to give a big shout out and a bravissimo to William Campbell, who actually wrote me a recommendation on my LinkedIn profile, which I thought was kind of cool. Here's what William had to say. I've been abundantly blessed by Jonathan's podcast, Limitless Mindset. As a sales professional, I am always on the lookout for innovative ways to improve my approach, my ethics, my habits, etc. His podcasts are always very practical and helpful in these areas, and I would recommend them to any professional. Not every podcast may apply to you, but surely most will. Thanks again, William. By the way, if any of my listeners are LinkedIn gurus, please hit me up. Because I would really like to start promoting LinkedIn. I'd really like to start promoting Limitless Mindset on LinkedIn a little bit more. I've got a couple of ideas that I'd like to run by someone who really knows what they're doing. The other day, I watched our favorite movie again for like the 78th time, which is, of course, Limitless with Bradley Cooper. It really drunk, jumped out at me how much foreign language is a part of this movie. We see him speaking Italian, Mandarin, and Russian. There's one scene in particular in the beginning of the movie that I thought was pretty funny. We see him speaking Italian to some foreign girl in a nightclub, and then he switches to speaking English and finishes saying something philosophical. To this girl. Then in the very next scene, he's hooking up with this girl in the bathroom. Now, as much as I love Limitless, I gotta point out how unrealistic this is. I travel a lot and I enjoy nightlife a lot, so I frequently find myself in nightclubs talking to foreign girls. I also have a problem, which is that after I get a couple of drinks in me, I just want to discuss philosophy and deep stuff with everyone. Now, I call this a problem because in real life, discussing philosophy with an exotic foreign girl in a nightclub, in her language or yours, may lead you to getting her number, going on a date, and having a nice adult relationship, but it almost never leads to hooking up with her five minutes later in the bathroom as the film suggests. 
Nonetheless, if we want to become limitless in real life, language learning is essential. Last episode, I discussed lucid dreaming with Richard Gannon. And I wanted to let you know that I'm still having awesome dreams. Like, for example, just the other night, I had a very vivid dream that I was the dictator of an underwater society that lived in a giant mega submarine with skyscrapers on its hull. And one day, our submarine was hit by a torpedo dropped by, of course, a Japanese World War II Zero. So the people of the underwater society decided to depose me as their beloved leader, and they condemned me to death by giant manta ray. So I put on my mask and snorkel, eerily similar to the mask and snorkel I used in Nicaragua uh, four months ago, and went for a swim next to the mega submarine. In the blue depths beneath me, I could see the manta ray. It shot a dart at me that hit me, but I was still quite able to swim. Then the giant evil manta ray closed in on me and began to thrash me with its massive wings. Don't worry, this was a dream, so it didn't hurt very much. And I could literally see its glistening fangs. Then I woke up. This is just one of my nighttime adventures. Last week, I battled stormtroopers while escaping from a version of hell that would put many a video game designer to shame, and I also experienced zero gravity while traveling to the center of the Earth. I would have never known I was this creative of a dreamer if it wasn't for an effortless life hack that I've started using to remember dreams. If you'd like to start remembering your dreams, check out the recent article on the website entitled Remembering Your Dreams with Evernote. That's also going to be linked in the show notes for this episode. Si usted está aprendiendo español, debe escuchar episodio 13 primero. In other words, if you haven't already listened to episode 13, it covers some life hacks specifically for learning Spanish, as this episode is going to be a little nerdier and focused on the technology. Welcome to Limitless Mindset. Benvenuti a Pensiero Senza Limiti. Hi, welcome to the Thank you, Mopa. Dobro, došli. Welcome to Unbegrenzte Gedachtegang. Before we talk about accelerated language acquisition using some exciting technologies, which are memory systems, high IQ Pro, and Super Memo, let's talk about accelerated personal development. Why is it that some people languish in personal development purgatory for for years or decades while other people read a book, take a course, listen to a podcast, apply the knowledge and get meaningful or profitable results fast. Well, the most practical, measurable and non-woo-woo answer to this conundrum is that the person who gets more 
result has a faster mind with healthier neuroplasticity mechanisms. Neuroplasticity is a chemical process that occurs on the molecular and cellular levels of our brain's gray matter. It results in new brain cells being manufactured and synaptic connections forming in the mind, forming new habits, acquiring new skill sets, or adapting to novel challenges all require new gray matter. What we call personal development is impossible without neuroplasticity. The bad news is that once we hit 25 to 30 years old, our brain's neuroplasticity mechanisms begin to break down by 5 to 10% per decade, and many environmental factors also have a negative effect. Unfortunately for the voracious consumers of personal development books and courses, maintaining and improving your brain's plasticity really requires putting in work, doing cognitively challenging tasks repeatedly. So relaxing on your couch, reading a self-help book doesn't count. But you know, reading a book on quantum physics might. A 2004 study, Neurolinguistics, Structural Plasticity in the Brain, and a 2008 University of Washington study, Second Language Learning and Changes in the Brain, we'll have those linked in the show notes, demonstrated that language learning is one of the most cognitively challenging tasks we can subject our minds to. Whether it's Spanish, Japanese, or Russian, the part of the brain devoted to language learning is the perislivian cortex in the left hemisphere. So unless you're going to, unless you're going to devote hours a week to studying something extremely abstract like physics, language learning is damned hard to beat as a task for training the neuroplasticity you're going to need if you want to accelerate your personal development. I would go as far as saying that it's unlikely to have truly fruitful personal development without language learning. We're going to present three powerful technologies for augmenting and accelerating your language learning while simultaneously training your neuroplasticity mechanisms. Many a life hacker listening to this has probably heard that total immersion is the only way to learn a language, living in the culture and speaking the language every day. I may differ from some of the language learning gurus out there, but I don't think immersion is enough to master a language or even become really fluent. Unless you're going to travel to some exotic con continent, marry a professional speech coach who is also a philosophy writer on the side, some study is essential. And as life hackers, we want to leverage that study time to the max so that we can spend more time actually having fun, fluent, meaningful conversations with people. And that's exactly what these three technologies do.
The first is Super Memo. The marketing tagline for Super Memo is Forget About Forgetting. And in its feature on Super Memo, Wired Magazine said, Want to remember everything you'll ever learn? Surrender to this algorithm. While these may sound like pure ad copy hyperbole, Supermemo does a surprisingly good job of delivering on these bold statements. Supermemo's super algorithm intelligently predicts when you're going to forget new knowledge and tests you on it when you're on the edge of forgetting it. This removes the inherent and ages-old inefficiencies from the learning process, which is practice too soon and you are redundantly reviewing what you already know. Practice too late and you are redundantly relearning. Supermemo has several very Supermemo has sharply produced courses for accelerated learning using the spaced repetition algorithm for Basque, Chinese, Danish, English, Esperanto, if anyone wants to be cool and learn to speak Esperanto, French, German, Greek, Italian, Kanji, Norwegian, Polish, Portuguese, Russian, Spanish, and Swedish. Supermemo runs on Windows, Macintosh, Android, and iPhone, and is awesomely free-ish. Or at least you can take Supermemo on a very long, very thorough test drive before buying anything. The Android and iPhone versions are free to download and have some impressive free demo language learning courses. I learned nearly 3,000 words of Spanish vocabulary in a month and a half of practice with the Espanol Extremo demo. There are also paid language learning courses that run $5 to $25, but you could probably spend at least a few weeks learning with the free demos. The Windows version has more options and costs $60, although you can download older versions of it for $1, so I would recommend the mobile versions. My personal experience with Supermemo was that the algorithm does do a really good job of teaching you vocabulary because the algorithm's job is to make your memory as efficient as possible. However, I wouldn't go as far as saying that Supermemo is a language learning system. For example, I'm interested in learning German, and I started in on one of the German courses on Supermemo, and I was just plain confused because I had no baseline understanding of the way that different letters sounded together in that language. So I would say if you're starting completely fresh with a language, you probably want to start with some classes or at least listening to some of the podcasts that are in iTunes that will teach you that language specifically. However, I'm a big fan of Supermemo because it will teach you a lot of vocabulary and it'll do it in a high leverage way. And Supermemo fits really well with memory systems. And if you are a listener to this podcast, 
you should be a memory systems practitioner. Speaking of memory systems, they are the second life hacking technology for accelerated language learning. Indeed, memory systems, they are the original human technology. And you're saying, Jonathan, can't we get through a single freaking episode without talking about memory systems? And I know that sometimes memory systems can be just a little bit of a, of a dry subject, which is why for this episode, I actually created a pretty cool little infographic showing how memory systems fit together. It's like an infographic slash flowchart deal showing how memory systems work together for learning new vocabulary. So if you're listening to this, I encourage you to check out the show notes for this episode when you get a chance and look at the infographics that I've prepared. You might even want to share theirs, those with some of your friends that are also learning languages right now. So you will significantly accelerate your learning of vocabulary and phrases if you can create really absurd and sometimes inappropriate visual associations between the foreign language vocabulary and its meaning in your native tongue. On a microscopic level, this builds a stronger synaptic link between the original concept and the new piece of vocabulary to tie this all back to neuroplasticity. Here's some examples. Let's take the word chess, which in Spanish is ajedrez. And that sounds like, at least to me, al-he-dress. You'll notice that al is not exactly a. And this is fine, as the sounds like doesn't need to exactly fit the word being learned. So the visual association that's going to go with this is you want to imagine Al from that old TV show, Home Improvement, or whatever Al comes to mind for you, wearing a dress. That silly guy, but instead of wearing his flannel shirts, he's wearing a dress. But instead of having a normal human body, he has a chess piece body. And that's how we're going to associate the English word chess with the Spanish word ajedrez. Next example is, let's say, the English word approach, which in Espanol is planter. And to me, that sounds like plant Tear. At least when it's written out, that's what it looks like. So as a visual association, imagine that there is a beautiful woman or a beautiful man you are going to approach, and you really want to approach them. But they're on the other side of a giant leaf of a plant, which you will need to tear open if you want to approach them. Next example, this is a phrase, and in English you say, the pleasure was mine, if you had a really good time with someone. In Spanish you would say, el placer fue el mío, which kind of sounds like, again, we're taking the 
the foreign version and we're finding words that kind of make sense or they sound like words that make sense in our own language. So if we take el placer fue el mío, that sounds kind of like to me el place frees me orgasm. And I'll explain why the last word of that sentence was what it was. So as a visual association, you are in a freezing place having an orgasm next to a giant L-shaped thing. After you climax, the L-shaped thing says, thank you, to which you respond, the pleasure was mine. And if you feel a little weird here, these, believe me, it feels weird saying them. But that's the point. Your mind is going to do a way better job of embedding information in the long-term memory if it's associated with an absurd, bizarre, or totally novel visualization. And when you create your visualization links, you want to use these tools to make them weird. You want to use substitution, out of proportion, action or violence occurring, multiplication, and sexiness. By all means, feel free to make your absurd association sexual. It certainly helps them be more bizarre. In the beginning, you're going to find that it takes some creative energy and mental gymnastics to come up with really good absurd associations for every word, but stick with it. After about a week, it will start to become really automatic and easy to come up with great visualizations. Let's talk about memory system visualization rules. So SuperMemo will try to teach you about 30 new words each day. So you'll start running into a lot of similar sounds in your foreign vocabulary. As you do, it's very important to create visualization rules. Certain sounds always equal a particular element in your visualizations. As you can see in the example above, one of my visualization rules is that if a word ends in O, then someone is going to be having an orgasm in the visualization. On the show notes for this episode, I'm going to link to a post where I have about 20 of the visualization rules that I made up for Spanish. So if you're learning Spanish, that's awesome. Check out those visualization rules. If not, you may want to check them out anyways just so that you can get an idea of how visualization rules are going to fit with languages. You're welcome to use mine. However, you're probably going to be a little bit better off coming up with your own visualization rules as they will make sense within your own cognitive ecosystem. Just uh, one example. For example, in Spanish, words that sound very similar to English. To me, that is kind of samey. And samey is a, a silly expression that I've heard from a couple of English people. And samey means different coffee shops that are in London that are kind of like clones of Starbucks. They're just kind of like soulless, 
generic corporate looking coffee shops and these are samey. So if a word in Spanish is very similar to that word in English, then I will imagine a rainy Starbucks-like coffee shop in London. Whatever the visualization is that I have going on, I will place that inside of a Starbucks-esque coffee shop where it's raining inside of the coffee shop just to make it extra absurd. Let's talk now about the Anchoring Association. This is the second association that you are going to be making with these words. So there's a problem. You'll find that during your language learning process, you may hit a glass ceiling of improvement, where you have the same conversations repeatedly using the same vocabulary. While practicing alone with super memo you have no problem remembering higher level vocabulary but in the midst of a socially demanding situation you resort to the same basic words and grammar you know and this can actually be super frustrating when you want to go deep with someone into intellectual territory but the only vocabulary coming to mind is what you use to order food at a restaurant or ask for directions to the airport so the solution to this is that during your practice with super memo while super memo is is attempting to teach you those 30 new pieces of vocabulary every day you want to create a second absurd visual association anchoring the foreign word or phrase to a potential future conversation you can use it in. And to avoid overwhelming yourself, don't create the anchoring association the first time you learn the word in SuperMemo. SuperMemo's algorithm will prompt you to review new vocabulary a day or two after you initially learnt it. If your original association works and you do remember the vocabulary correctly, then create the anchoring association. This association should anchor the foreign word or phrase to the ideas, emotions, vocabulary, either in your language or in the new language, or the context that you're going to be using that word in a future conversation or social situation. The third accelerated learning technology is dual and back training and this is software for Windows Mac and Android that increases the RAM of your conscious mind the dual and back task is a game that has been demonstrated in studies by the University of Michigan University of Bern in Switzerland University of Minnesota and LMU in Germany to increase what scientists call fluid intelligence, executive functioning, and working memory. So what does this mean on a practical level? Fluid intelligence, this is your ability to respond intelligently to things that are cognitively novel to you, like 
learning a new language, acquiring a new skill set, studying physics, etc. So when you're in a demanding real world situation, like let's say you're traveling in a new country and you're on a bus and suddenly a police officer walks up to you on that bus and starts speaking to you very rapidly in the native language of that country, the, the native language that you are just now starting to get a grasp of. And the police officer needs something from you right now, and it's very important. This is where your fluid intelligence is going to kick in for you to be able to respond as best as possible to that kind of situation. Executive functioning, this is the degree of control we have over our minds. Improved executive functioning correlates to willpower, attentional control, emotional self-regulation, processing speed, and alertness. This is because the dual NBAC task trains you to purposely focus on specific information while specifically ignoring other information. And working memory, this is your short-term memory which you use for problem solving. The dual NBEC task algorithmically increases the amount of information you have to keep track of simultaneously, which forces your working memory to expand. So while dual NBEC training doesn't work directly on long-term memory, it conditions your mind to learn a whole lot better, especially when it comes to things like language acquisition. These three technologies, when used together, really can accelerate your language learning along with your personal development, but they require a fair degree of commitment. So I think it's a really good idea to attach a daily reward mechanism to using them. Here's the reward mechanism I use. When I'm ready to train, I physically relocate myself somewhere relaxing that I can enjoy, like a cafe, hammock, or a balcony with a nice view. I pick a piece of content that I'm excited about consuming, like an article or YouTube video or documentary, and I wait until I've finished my cognitive learning, learning training before I dive into that piece of content. I'll buy an assortment of mostly healthy snacks at the store every couple of days, and when I finish my dual NBAC training, which is usually requires the most discipline to do, I treat myself. Before I enjoy dinner or happy hour with friends, I will do my sessions with High IQ Pro and Super Memo. Now, if you're as serious about your language learning and personal development as I am, you are going to want to spend about 30 to 40 minutes daily. Dual and back training is going to take 20 minutes a day, five days a week, and learning vocabulary with Super Memo is going to take 10 to 20 minutes. Sometimes I take weekends off cognitive training depending upon 
my social commitments. I should note that this doesn't necessarily have to be a solid 30 to 40 minutes daily. Your cognitive training sessions can be broken up throughout the day while you're commuting or if you're taking a little break or whatnot. How to be charming in a language you barely speak. You exceeded my expectations. The beautiful Brazilian girl beside me exclaimed in her exotically accented English to the barista in the gourmet cafe. The barista had created one of those cute little artistic renditions on the creamer of her latte, which apparently exceeded her expectations. That entire day, even after we had finished our coffee and she left with an effortlessly enunciated chow, I couldn't help but smile at how damn cute the way she talked sounded. I'd spent quite a lot of time around foreign accents, even hung out with a fair share of Brazilians, but something about hers was unique. After seven months in Central and South America spent learning Spanish and making with, making friends with travelers hailing from Iceland to Pakistan, I finally figured out what made the Brazilian in the cafe so charming. It wasn't the musicality of her native Portuguese tongue flirting with the tonic sounds of English. It wasn't because she could have passed for Halle Berry's younger sister. Her charm was in her usage of English expressions that captured the specific emotions of the moment. Have you ever met a foreigner who was very charming even though they had a really thick accent and made a lot of grammar mistakes? A lot of times it's because they know how to use specific English expressions to capture the emotional tonality of the moment. And this makes perfect sense on a very simple level. We feel great affinity for people who understand what we're going through. If you speak or are learning a second language, you can totally use this to your advantage. Focus on using expressions and phrases opposed to grammar rules. It actually makes the language a whole lot fun and easier to learn. Let's talk about humor. For some reason, people are a whole lot more funny when they tell jokes in their second language to native speakers of that language. I remember cracking up when my friend Ellie responded to a bold claim in his thick Israeli accent. Is that the truth or the brother of the truth? So be a little bit more bold in telling jokes in your second language, even if they're dumb jokes or not very original. Let's talk about colloquialisms. There can also be a lot of charm in using colloquialisms, expressions, words or phrases that are specific to geographic areas, cities, states, and countries. Learning colloquialisms is a great way to connect with local culture. Simply ask locals to teach you 
some popular sayings or expressions. Another really fun way to be more charming while you travel is if you seem to meet a lot of people from a particular country, but you don't want to go to the trouble of learning an entire new language, just learn a couple of phrases in that language. Start by learning how to say, nice to meet you, and cheers when you're having a drink and toasting your drinking buddies in as many different languages as you run into on the road, because those are going to be some of the most valuable phrases. In about six months of traveling, I learned clever phrases in about 13 different languages that I would run into people commonly from. For example, I meet a lot of Swedish people and I meet a lot of Danish people while I travel. And I really have no desire to learn these languages because Swedish people and Danish people always seem to speak English really good. And those are countries where English is such a universal language. There's just not a lot of use to me to learn those languages. However, I've learned a couple of phrases in those languages. Like whenever I meet a Dutch person, I'll say, which means, nice to meet you. Or if I meet a Swedish person, I'll say, and that means, nice to meet you. So on the show notes of this episode, I'm going to list all 13 of the different foreign language phrases that I've learned in common languages that you'll run into while traveling, and that is going to significantly increase the the affinity and likability that you have with these people, just knowing a single phrase in their language, and it's significantly easier to learn 10 phrases in 10 different languages than it is to learn one entirely new language. Yeah. Cash money heroes. Private jets. Polish. To connect with the Limitless Mindset community, along with a chance to win free neurotropic brain supplements and other awesome prizes, please give our Facebook page a like at facebook.com backslash Limitless Mindset. If you found this podcast to be informative and entertaining, please give us a five-star review in iTunes or whatever podcast directory you are listening and write us a review letting us know what you think of the show. And remember that the best compliment we can ever hope to receive is you sharing the show with a friend. As promised, here's some awkwardly awesome moments of culture shock. So, at the border crossing of Panama and Costa Rica a couple of months ago, there was a super cute Panamanian girl that was standing in line a little ways away from me, and we were just standing there in line. The line wasn't moving. We'd been standing there for like 45 minutes, and she was super cute, so I smiled at her. She smiled back. It looked like we might possibly be able to have a nice little conversation, an opportunity to practice my Spanish. But then 
her mom walked over to her, I assume it was her mom, and gave her a baby, which she started to nurse. And for some reason, she just didn't look like a, a married girl to me. I didn't see any, any wedding ring, but that sort of thing is, is really common in that particular part of the world. So kind of uh, killed the flirtatious mood. So, so finally, I got through the border crossing, got over to the Panamanian side, jumped on a little tiny bus on the Panamanian side where the people were just really sardined in on this bus. I had a seat open next to me, and lo and behold, guess who walked onto the bus? It was the, the cute Panamanian girl, and she sat down right next to me. So I figured, hey, why not practice my Spanish a little bit? So we had a nice little conversation about this and that for about 20 minutes, and then the baby started crying again. So her mom got up and gave her her baby, and then after we'd ha made our introductions, she started nursing her baby again right next to me on this little bus. And it was just a kind of an awkward moment because as an American, I haven't seen women nursing in public very often at all, and I'm just not sure what the proper cultural etiquette is for flirting with a girl while she's nursing her baby. So that was a, that was a bit awkward, but I got through it. Second fairly awkward moment I've had while traveling was in Panama City. I wanted to practice my Spanish with people, so I invented a little joke about the city. And I'll tell it to you now. And I'll just explain to you a little something about cities in this part of the world. Even the nicer cities seem to have a lot of unsightly holes and pits in the sidewalks and the streets. These unsightly holes are usually just full of junk and garbage. So I made up a little joke about this and it goes something like this. Hey, you know how there's these holes in the sidewalks and the streets and they're really ugly holes full of trash and garbage? Well, did you know that the government actually installed those holes on purpose? And then people will, of course, be like, no, they didn't. And I'll be like, yeah, they actually installed those holes to prevent alcoholism. Because if you're really drunk, then you could trip and fall in those holes and really hurt yourself badly. But if you're only a little bit drunk, then you'll know to walk around those holes. So, pretty stupid little joke, but I was pretty proud of it when I first made it up. And then I went out to bars and started telling it to complete strangers. Little did I know... In Panama, the slang phrase for gays is almost the exact same word as the word for holes. And me, with my accent and my imperfect pronunciation, I'd been mixing up the word for holes and gays. So my joke that's not very funny in the first place was downright, maybe borderline offensive. Legal notices. If you or someone you know developed or created a concept, piece of content, or idea shared on this show, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com. 
so we can mention them in the show notes or provide a backlink. We want to give credit where credit is due. As a listener to the Limitless Mindset Podcast, we hope you have and practice common sense. However, since some of the content covered in this show deals with subjects of a health, legal, or business nature, this show is for entertainment purposes. If you need recommendations of doctors, nutritionists, or attorneys to consult before making decisions that may have health or legal repercussions, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com.